one knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. How's everybody doing out there? The Big Dave and Joe, another edition of the show, Poker Action Line. You can pick it up on Stitcher Radio, of course, uh, on a regular basis. Also uh, on Hold'em Radio Network, Hold'em Network, uh, Hold'em Poker. No, oh, actually, I'm sorry, Hold'em Radio. Uh, dot com is the site. You go check it out. And uh, they've been running the show on Friday nights, Saturday nights, uh, kind of back and forth. Pretty good prime time slot, so I'm pretty happy with that. And uh, do a lot of promotion for the show on, on the social media and that sort of thing. Uh, also, uh, just go to iTunes uh, and run the show. We had a great one last week with uh, Stacy Madison, yeah. uh, a good friend of ours who is the CEO of the uh, WSOP Dealer Academy, now called, uh, originally with the Mizraki Brothers. Uh, still with them, but it's uh, basically affiliated now with the World Series of Poker. And our great finish, she had some tremendous stories about her deep run in the main event and the interesting things that happened. And uh, I'll tell you what, that was just one, another one of those shows, Joe, that could go on for two, three oh, hours yeah. if, if we Stacey had the time. Stacy was great, and, you know, I applaud her for telling us, you know, some very tough things that she had to endure as, as she was very deep in that in the main event. And after the show, uh, of course, her and Joe uh, reminisced about the old days. That could have made a great show by itself. I'm sure it could have. We could have done that <laughs> for a couple of hours, too, man. Anyway, our thanks to Stacy. Uh, the week before, you were on uh, a cruise, and we had uh, Michael Tate in here. Uh, another good show there. Of course, the show I did from Vegas, which was... Uh, uh, a lot of extra work for my producer, but he uh, did a tremendous job of putting that together. As and always. That, that came out well. <laughs> uh, I still have a couple of interviews that we're going to use tonight uh, that I did while I was out there, so we'll look forward to having some of those. Uh, Chris Moneymaker we'll hear from later in the show. Also, uh, Fatima Morera de Mello from uh, the Netherlands, uh, a great player that uh, it really kind of broke out in last year's uh, World Series of Poker event. And uh, didn't do as much this year, but she's uh, working very hard uh, to help promote uh, online poker. We got news about online poker, nothing uh, truly special, but uh, it continues to move along. And there's some opportunities still in Pennsylvania for later in the summer. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. And uh, we'll even run down our results from our fantasy contest. Not, I didn't do the points because it's just... Uh, Meaningless. Uh, it was. It was a drubbing. It, it was, was a, a drubbing was, this year. We've had we've had it close the last two years that we did it, but it was an absolute. My, uh, my people really stepped up this time. And but Big Dave usually, you know, usually has the pressure on. One the one it last time, I think. Uh, so it's, you know. I, I, I was lucky. looking. I got him. lucky. We'll, we'll do, we'll do a quick Jason. synopsis and mention the names and how some of the people did. Not exactly. I don't. I didn't do even do the numbers because Joe had four bracelets. And I had none, so uh, that's uh, one of the things that happens. But uh, certainly look forward to uh, a lot of stuff tonight, a few interviews, and uh, we'll keep you up to date on some of the latest results. Of course, we're into August now, which means it's time for the big one over at uh, the Seminole Hard Rock. The Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open uh, got underway a few days ago. Uh, I can give you some of the uh, early results. Uh, the event one was uh, lasted a long time. In fact, it lasted past the first uh, several of the other events, so... Uh, uh, Nicholas Mahabi, Mahabi, I guess it's pronounced, uh, defeated uh, a field of 2,570 entries wow. in a 360 deep stack that started things off. That was event number one and took home 66,000. Uh, it was an even six-way chop for the final six players. So uh, Mahabi uh, obviously had the biggest stack and took home the trophy and got his picture taken. Everyone else just uh, ran to the bank and deposited Everyone 66 grand. Everyone else was very happy, even <laughs> if they didn't have their picture Exactly. <laughs> there was also an 1,100 event, uh, No Limit Hold'em. Barry Pevner was the was the winner. He defeated Lonnie Harwood head-to-head, and which is kind of funny because uh, we've had Lonnie's father on the show, uh, Dick Harwood, and uh, he was kind of, uh, she learned at his elbow, she said, uh, when he was used <laughs> to play poker, and she uh, uh, has become such a great player out of New York, Staten Island. Uh, and Dick Harwood uh, had a uh, great head-to-head battle with Barry Pevner back in 1999 at some big tournament and defeated him. So uh, Pevner was kind of taking this as a little bit, as a little bit of revenge. <laughs> anyway, he wins uh, the 1100 for 29000 And uh, Z Rahim bested 89 players in the horse event, a $300 horse event. Uh, 
and there's several others going on right now. So we'll keep an eye on some of the stuff that's going on out there. There's a big uh, 570, I think, going on right now, and also uh, a PLO uh, 8 tournament uh, started this afternoon at 3 o'clock. But the big ones start, uh, the big four is what they're calling it again, starts on August 13th. So uh, that is uh, just a little over a week away a for week us. And I will be over there several days for that. There's four different tournaments that will all coincide with final tables on the same day, uh, August 16th. Uh, the big Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open with a $5 million guarantee, a 52.50 buy-in is up first. And the next day there's a... Uh, a 26.50 and a 1.100, and then the third day is the high roller, so um, which is 25k. So four tournaments that will all conclude on the same day. They'll have all the final tables in one room and shoot it for uh, streaming. And of course, the main table will be uh, on Poker Night in America next, uh, either later this fall or, or at the beginning of next year. So that's what's going on over at the Hard Rock. A big month over there. Uh, the Isle Casino just completed their big tournament. The uh, uh, Florida State Poker Championship, which uh, I was over there for the final table, Joe, and uh, uh, all the big names from the area were playing, and a lot of them made it into day two. So I had a lot of people to talk to. Michael Tate did make day two, uh, but uh, unfortunately didn't last too long in the day. Uh, one of the players uh, that was in the uh, event and eventually made the final table was Jerry Wong, who I talked about last week. Uh, Jerry... Uh, I guess he lives in Vegas. I'm not sure. He plays a lot of tournaments here, has a lot of friends here. And he made the November 9. So uh, he was in eighth place going into uh, the tournament this fall when they go back to the Rio for that. And I thought, wow, I get a good chance to interview uh, someone from the November 9 right here a couple days after I got home. And on a break, I uh, approached him, and he blew me off. <laughs> so that's the way it goes. He, uh, you know, he was he was polite well, and just said, I, I'm "Maybe just, he had a bad experience with someone else." Well, in the I kind of wondered about that. He said, uh, "I said, didn't you have to do a whole bunch of interviews out there in Vegas?" And he said, "Well, the only one I did was the WSOP." He goes, "I even said no to Poker News." So, uh, you know, he just was not comfortable doing an interview, which is fine. Uh, you know, it's uh, kind of funny, but. Uh, I went back uh, later the, the night of the final table, and they were down to four players. Uh, Chad Eveslage uh, got knocked out, and that put it down to three. And uh, as it turned out, that was kind of the end of the tournament, because once they went to three, they discussed on the break uh, what they would do to chop it up. And eventually they did chop it, which was kind of interesting. But uh, uh, basically the winner was uh, Sam Panzika, who has uh, been a uh up at the Palm Beach Kennel Club was a player of the series for one of the uh, cir circuits. circuit events. And that was a couple of years ago, I think in 13 or 14. And I hadn't heard too much of him out at the World Series of Poker. Anyway, I asked him also uh, for an interview, and he blew me off. And the guy who finished third, Victor Figueroa, uh, said he didn't want to do it. So it was really, I really never run into that kind of rejection as far as interviews go, but... I did talk to uh, the second-place finisher, the official second-place finisher. There was really a three-way chop, but he took the second-highest amount of money, and it was a fellow named Isaiah Goldman who plays on a regular basis over at Gulfstream. Uh, you know, and I told him that they were a sponsor of our program, and, and I have seen him play over there because he told me about the game he was in. It's a big uh, private game that uh, one of the players is uh, Miami Good Boss, uh, Danny Swed. And uh pretty good-sized game. I'm not sure, 1025 or something like that. Anyway, out of my league, obviously. But he's really just a cash game player because I looked up his stats on uh, uh, the Global Poker Index and uh, the Hendon Mob and some of the stuff, and he had like a, maybe 11,000 in career earnings. Just a couple of So he makes his money definitely yeah. in cash games. So he is a, a, a pr really a professional poker player that plays all cash, and he had an interesting story. I asked him, uh, you know, well, why are you, why are you running so deep in this event all of a sudden? He said, well, I decided to play because a good friend of mine played in the main event and finished 80th out there. So uh, he's totally a cash game player too. And the fact that he was able to make it so deep in the main event gave me the impetus to to give it a try here. And he had had one other cash at the aisle uh, for about seven thousand a couple of years ago. But uh, it's kind of interesting, and uh, I just wondered what your thoughts were about people who play cash all the time but don't like tournaments, don't play tournaments, 
what the difference is in your mind and, and why one is preferable to another? Well, obviously, you know, when you play in a tournament and you're not a big tournament player, you know, you could play perfect poker all day, all day long, develop a lot of chips, stacking, 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 and then one either mistake. one mistake or one suck out from your opponent. Right. Not even and a mistake. You play right. well you and play, just listen, get screwed. <laughs> listen, whether it's a tournament or a cash game, if you can push all your chips in the middle and you've got somebody calling you who has a two or three outer on the river, every single person will take that every single time. And, you know, we as we know here in this show and, and in real life, they do suck out every now and then. And, you know, you get that done. It's so frustrating. Now you know the player got his money, I mean, got his chips in really bad and still sucked out on you. Now you're in a cash game. Now you go, okay, yeah, it hurts a little more because you've lost the thing, but depending on the buy-in in the tournament, it could hurt. But now you just have to reach into your pocket and go, I'm going to wait for this guy because if he did it once, I'm sure he'll do it again. Right. And, you know, that's the big difference. You know, if you've got a juicy cash game, you can make as much as you're going to make in winning a tournament in one night, depending on, on how deep the pockets are for the players that you're playing against and how bad they are and how well you're able to read them. So you don't have that, you know, that marathon race that you have to do in most, in most tournaments and to go that deep. I mean, well, let's just take our guest last week, Stacy. God, I knocked out 169. She made $42,000. Right. That's a nice return on a $10,000 investment. But I guarantee you it didn't feel like that to anybody who collected that 42000 when you've gone through 6,200 people to get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it just doesn't seem in it. You know, you, you, not to say you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you know, now, you know, I, I just needed to get through another 100 people. I don't know what 80th place paid, but I'm sure it was probably somewhere around sixty to 80000 maybe 90000 it's nice. It's a great. If you were told that at the start of a tournament, but you wade through all of that and you get ninety thousand, I'm sure your first thought is, "This isn't worth it for the days and the hours I had to put in." Yeah, probably so. Uh, I know the other, the great thing for me about tournaments, which is why I mainly only play tournaments, uh, is you don't have to keep going back in your pocket. You got kind of a finite amount that you're losing, and you know, of course, you can rebuy into the tournament sometimes. But basically, you're saying. This is the money I put up, and if I lose it, I lose it, and then maybe I can make a cash payout. But you're not, you're not, your self-control isn't really called into question too much, like in a cash game, where you might run out to the ATM and keep uh, buying back into a game when you're when you're not playing well, or if your luck well, is running bad. That's what the top pros. That's what this gentleman is hoping is happening with his opponents. Right. You know, he's hoping they're uh, they're going back to the ATM because if he's a cash pro, and and he's been successful for years at this. He knows he's he knows he's getting his money in there with the best of it probably ninety ninety percent or higher. He's getting his money in there against these people. So yes, they will suck out one out of ten times or whatever it is, you know, two out of ten times. But in the long long haul and and in the short term, you're going to make a lot of money. You know, you have to have those days where you're running really really bad. You know that uh, the probability is. You know, the numbers just don't make any sense. Um, you know, in a cash game, you can pick the table you want to sit at. You know, if you right. don't like the players that are there, yeah, you step out and either come back the next day or wait till another table in the in that in your you know, the range that you want to play in. Can't do that in a tournament. They assign a table to you, and all of a sudden you could have developed a lot of chips, and then all of a sudden you get transferred to a table that has nothing but yeah. six or seven top-notch poker tournament pros. Anyway, his name Isaiah Goldman once again, very good player. I don't know if he'll feel uh, that will change his outlook as far as playing tournaments in the future, but uh, certainly I uh, appreciate his time. He just uh, said he just uh, him and his wife just had a baby and he the money is really going to come in great for them, so I'm glad to see that. And uh, how much was it? 97, that he got? 97, 97,000, which for. is a nice, yeah, it's a tremendous and payout. And Panzika got, I think, 117, and uh, Victor Figueroa took home 87. So those were the top three. And uh, Jerry Wong, by the way, finished eighth, uh, which doesn't break me up too much after he blew me off. <laughs> and uh, he obviously he just went out to uh, WPT at Choctaw. 
in uh, Oklahoma, and he made that final table and finished eighth again. So he's obviously playing well. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it was eighth. I think he finished fourth, maybe, now that I think about it. But Jerry doesn't But he's, he's eighth in chips going out to Vegas in uh, November. But Jerry doesn't know the history of our show here with no, Big this Dave Lerman interviewing soon-to-be main event winners on this show right before, a couple of months before they, they went to the November but, 9th. But let me tell you something. I did a little research, uh, you know, after talking to a couple of these guys, and I was very curious as to, you know, you know, I, I look at this as a chance to promote yourself if you want to make it in the business. Some people maybe aren't just aren't into that, which is fine. But uh, there are a lot of times maybe a, a, a previous experience with a reporter that didn't turn out so well where the guy wrote something that was not so uh, positive about you. Uh, it's hard to say what causes people to reject uh, the attention. But I actually went out and looked up Pansika's history and, and found an article where he has been banned from the World Series of Poker all Caesars properties, not not World Series of Poker, because he does play the circuit at Palm Beach, which is not a Caesars uh, property. But he has been banned from all Caesars property for getting in a fist fight a couple of years ago at the November 9 while on the rail for Ryan Reese when he won the title. Got in a fist fight in the audience and was thrown out of the place and told never to come back again. So obviously he doesn't want that dredged up and talked about, so that's why I'm talking about it here. <laughs> Anyway, it's public knowledge, and uh, if he doesn't like it, uh, tough well, tea. You know, well, listen, <laughs> if you don't like it, you don't do it. You yeah, know, exactly. unfortunately, you got to be able to control yourself. And uh, and he should have known that Ryan Reese happens to be one of the guys that you interviewed in on in August when well, he was he a November nine. Sure he doesn't know that. You know, and went out to win the the, the main event, and uh, you know, it, it's a shame that he doesn't get a chance because you know. If he did that one interview for the WSOP and blew off poker news, he could have easily have stated, listen, I made a mistake and I really don't want to talk about it, and then gone on from there. Anyway, while I was there, I got a chance to talk with Steve Wolanski, who won a bracelet in Event 44 out at Vegas this year. He's from Cooper City, and he did talk to me during a break, and uh, I got a chance to uh, ask him about uh, the World Series and uh, his experience out there. He was one of several bracelet winners from the South Florida area, uh, we know Rob Mizraki won a bracelet, uh, Alan Percal, of course Jason won two, Sam Sovereign from West Palm Beach, and uh, Wolanski was the final one winning uh 1,000 No Limit Hold'em event out there, winning 298,000, and I got a chance to talk with Steve on one of the breaks. Uh, local South Florida player Steve Wolanski from Cooper City here, uh, talking to him over here at the aisle. Uh, congratulations, you won a bracelet in uh, Event 44, one of the 1K buy-ins. Uh, first bracelet, of, uh, maybe one of many. Uh, second, actually. Oh, okay. I uh, Sorry. had my first one two years before in a, a field about one tenth the size, a deuce of seven single draw, 1500. Oh, okay. And. Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully many more to come. Uh, do, do you like the way that uh, mixed games seem to be coming back? It seemed like play was way up this year in a lot of those events. Uh, is it something you'd like to see continue? Oh yeah, I definitely, I definitely try to prioritize the mixed game events every summer. Like I'm always trying to play as many different new games as I can and learn and just. Uh, I enjoy playing those a lot more than all the home events. Okay, I did do my homework on your uh, bracelet. I know that uh, the fellow you went up against. You guys went nearly 100 hands. You went 64 hands into, like, I guess it was 2 in the morning or something like that. Had to actually come back and play head-to-head -head the next day. That's kind of rare out there for them not to finish an event, right? Yeah, it's definitely strange. Uh, I think we got to heads up in, like, 70 hands, and then it was, like, yeah, over another 100 to finish. So, right. like, the heads up took longer than the rest of the final table combined. So right. it was definitely a battle. I think you guys played 64 hands. When did, how did they decide when you're going to break it off to come back the next day? Because they'd love to get it finished, I'm sure, and not have to worry about you guys coming back. But did you prefer you guys were just worn out and tired and just said, we can't play anymore? Um, they have, like, a, a schedule that allows both players to play an extra level to extend the night if they both agree, but we were both kind of tired at that point and decided to, to call a little earlier. Would you say he was a very tough opponent? You guys looked to be fairly even much of the time. Uh, where was it that you kind of gained the advantage in that match? Uh, I think right before we ended the, ended the day, 
he had me about 11 to 1, and in the last 20 minutes, I battled back wow. to even. Wow. And we started day four even in chips, and I said that was a huge moment this week. He got to go to sleep thinking about how he almost had me, and now we're even. Right. And I have, you know, I'm on top of the world coming back from down 11 to 1. Absolutely. Uh, have you ever been in something like that, that much of a grind against one other player? Never that long, no. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun, though, the whole time. I had a bunch of my friends there, and cheering every pot I won and it was then you got down to the end there you saw that uh, eight on the flop that gave you the set uh, had to be the most beautiful card you ever seen it's pretty nice the the second eight that gave me quads was a little better but <laughs> I like both eights a lot exactly uh, you're back here playing at the aisle here maybe 10 days after the main event uh, can you tell me what your thought process is when you come back here do you know this is my living I got to get right back to it or are you not just exhausted after being out there for for many many weeks um, I'm definitely exhausted but I know there's some good stuff on the horizon still and I'm gonna play this aisle tournament and then a few good ones over at the Hard Rock next week or in the next couple weeks, and then I'll probably take a little break. Okay. Will you try to cash in on mixed games there, too, as well? If the mixed games run, I'll cash in on them. They're picking up a little bit down here, so I'm hoping uh, maybe a good mixed cash game starts up, or definitely more mixed tournaments would be nice. But, uh, yeah, I'd play some of those. Okay. Well, good luck today in this uh, aisle main event. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That's Steve uh, Wilansky from Cooper City, a uh, good guy, and I've talked to him before, but uh, uh, certainly to go, I don't know. What, uh, Congratulations, 100, Steve. <laughs> 100, 150 hands of heads-up play to uh, to win that money, pretty crazy. Hey, listen. I don't I, know if you heard that, but he played. they played until like 2 in the morning. They had played 64 hands head up, heads up, and then they came back, and I think they played something like another 100 hands uh, the next morning to, to determine a winner. That's yeah, gr- yeah, that's that is, grueling. That is very grueling, obviously. The, the chips keep flying back and forth, and... I tell you, I've on a much smaller scale, I've had that happen to me where I was heads up for two hours online in a tournament that I eventually won, and it was just brutal. Yeah. It was just, it was, you know, very brutal. After the first hour, we actually they actually stopped to take that five minute break online. Yeah, exactly. You're like, listen, I just want to get this damn thing over, and we finished it right before the next five-minute break, which is an hour or 55 minutes later. Well, I mentioned Jason Mercier earlier, and it seems like it's not a real show unless we mention his name at least once a program. But uh, certainly continues to get attention around the country. And the latest thing is uh, he was on the Dan Lebetard show down here. Dan Lebetard and Stu Gotts, uh, who are on ESPN, they carry their show on television. And uh, it's just like a simulcast of their radio show that they've been doing down here in South Florida for many years. And Dan used to used to host a regular poker event once a month over at Dania Highlight, and it was a very good tournament. I think even Dan might have even won it once or made the final table very yes, deep a couple did. of times. But uh, he knows poker, and you know, basically his whole shtick is to say outrageous and crazy things to stir the pot and uh, get things going. Anyway, he had Jason on the show, and. Uh, I don't think he did quite as uh, great a job in his research as he probably could have, but he did talk a little bit about the bracelet bet that Jason had out there, and which is of a lot of interest to a lot of people, and uh, talked to him. And Jason explained, you know, what happened out there as far as uh, winning the uh, bracelets early and having a chance, and, and mentioned even that uh, he was trying to get in as many events as possible, maybe with the smallest fields, to give him a chance to win another bracelet, which he went very deep in several events. Uh, he uh, Besides his two wins and a second and an eighth, he had an 11th, a 13th, and a 16th. So He, he just, was dialed in. For he was dialed in, and, and he came very close, but Oof. ended up not winning, which didn't break him up too much, as he explained on the program. It was cost him $10,000, but he could have won $1.8 million if he had gotten that third bracelet. Of course, uh, Vanessa Selps, that he had made the bet with, laid off most of that action with other bettors and big-time gamblers. So they made out and won. Jason lost but didn't feel that bad about it because he had made several other bracelet bets on and winning one or winning two. So he cashed all those other events. Plus, you know, listen, he was offered, I believe, $100,000 to yeah. wash it off yeah. after his first bracelet. Yeah, exactly. And he was so confident in himself that he, he said, nah, that's okay. I, you know. But he won, he won big money out there, I think one point. 
<laughs> nine million or something. And, for the, and the side bets, probably he might have even won more on the side bets. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, it was a great time. Anyway, he appeared on the show, which was carried nationally. Uh, he did cash eleven times in total. I guess he won about just under a million in in prize money out there, uh, plus all the side bets and everything he had. But uh, as usual, Levitard uh, was trying to be outrageous, and and uh, he wasn't as bad as Stu Gotts, the partner who's who in the middle of a conversation, and Jason's explaining how in one point he was in three events and trying to go back and forth and keep up his stack, and Stugatz asks him, do you have a gambling problem? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he explained, hey, this is my job. You know, it's not really a problem. He said, you know, I do like to gamble, and I've probably played poker almost every day of my life since I was 16 or 17 years old. Uh, he goes, it was a problem kind of at one point because – I lost my scholarship to FAU and had to go to Broward Community College. And my parents said, you know, you you got to, uh, you know, get a get a job and stay away from the poker for a while, which he did. And, uh, you know, basically, uh, Levitard said to the poker pros, he said, uh, he goes, I wonder how happy these guys actually are. It's just another form of being a junkie where it's not enough to merely be in a single poker tournament. So, uh, you know, just some of the irritating well, uh, us, comments that he made. For us down here who listen to Stu Gatz, now whether he's telling the truth or not, we don't know, but he's always talking about the bets that he's making. Yeah, the, I hope he understands that playing poker uh, is not so much a form of gambling for somebody like Jason Mercier. Who has know. $17 million in career earnings. Exactly. <laughs> you know, this, this is a game of skill that he's very, very good at. Uh, the story he did tell, which I thought was very interesting, was they asked him if you've ever cried uh, after losing. And he said, there was one time, he said, where I lost a million dollars in one day in a cash game. He said, and before that, probably the most I'd ever lost is a couple hundred thousand, maybe 250,000. But he says, I've won many times that, many times. He said, but one day I just didn't have control and I kept going back and getting more money and I lost a million dollars. And he said, I can remember crying after that. You know, he said it was very hurtful and explained about that. Um, you know, and there's, you know, a lot of people that don't play uh, poker or don't gamble, don't really understand. And I know it can be a problem for some people, but, uh, you know, here's a guy who's been tremendously successful. I don't know how you can uh, you can run him down. No, you can't, I mean, unless, unless you're one of these people that's against gambling of any form, of uh, shape or form. So um, I think they were just, like you said, on the show, Stugatz was just trying to get a little yeah, uh, he's trying a to little get a rise out of him. Yeah, so. exactly. And to, to, he says these things because he loves it when uh, people send in uh, vicious, nasty tweets, and he retweets them out there and uh, basically, uh, I don't know, gets off on the... Uh, the anger and vitriol uh, directed at him. And, and he knows that's his part on the Levitard show. You know, he, he makes those outrageous comments. I guess. Most know. people most people I know can't stand the guy and just, uh, you know, some people can't can't stay away from it, you know. They, they, they Because of that, they come back and they want to listen more and more, which I'm sure is what he wants. Uh, but I know several of the people that have, like, uh, been so turned off that they never went back and listened to the show again. So mm-hmm. he has a certain audience of uh, people. Anyway, uh, people asked Jason how he felt about the interview afterwards on Twitter. And he said, uh, degenerate junkie addict, and not exactly my favorite words to describe myself as one of the best in my profession. And then he ended up saying later, uh, oh, well, I'll just keep printing. And I guess that means printing money. Money, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it is a bit of an insult to say that to, to Jason, you know, especially since we've had him on this show. We've heard the young man. We know his upbringing. You know, we know how much his parents mean to him, how yeah. much family and friends mean to him, what he's actually had to go through, almost losing his life on supposedly the greatest night of his life up to that point, winning the San Remo tournament. So... You know, yeah. Talked granted, extensively about granted, that. he's wor- you know he's worked very hard at this, and yes, he plays a lot of poker, which you could look on it one way or the other. But you know, this young man hasn't had some of the issues that some of the top pros yeah, that yeah. we've known for years well, had, he's, he's had term- substance problems. Uh, you know, you've never heard any of this from this young man. Yeah, he's tremendously well adjusted, and uh, we wish did, him all the did best. They, uh, did they at least mention that he proposed? No, the, no, no mention of that none, at all. None, 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 none of the great stuff Pro- that, probably, that happened. Probably uh, Levitard didn't do enough research to figure out that that even happened out there. You know, obviously that's something you would want to ask him about. Which is a tremendous poker story yeah, when his absolutely, girlfriend absolutely. comes in second in a tournament. Third. Or excuse me, third. And it goes that deep in, in one of the tournaments out there, and he gets on, on, on the main stage and proposes. So, <laughs> you know. 
In, anyway, let's take our first break in a program. When we come back, we'll hear from Chris Moneymaker, also uh, Fatima Marrera de Mello, uh, very nice person. Uh, enjoyed talking to her out there. And we'll get to a few other things, though, what's happening around town and what's coming up uh, in the near future. And if we get some time, we'll look a little bit at the November 9. Probably that will be for later shows. But let's take this break on the show. We'll tell you about Gulfstream Park. A big weekend out there. The Sire Stakes uh, coming up this weekend, which is a series of uh, great races, stakes races, that will take place on Saturday. And they also have this uh, big soiree that uh, is a three-part food and drink uh, spectacular over the course of the next few months, one a month for the next three months. And uh, the soiree in the park will be taking place this weekend as well. So check out the website and get all the information, gulfstreampark.com is the place to go. Big day of uh, racing this weekend on Saturday with the Sire Stakes, and uh, so we hope you'll check that out. Of course, uh, the poker room is top-notch and uh, very well run, a lot of fun. Uh, great games there, which we enjoy. And uh, I have to say hi to Isaiah Goldman next time I'm over there. Yeah. Big game. But uh, uh, nightly tournaments at 7 o'clock. If you want a little more information about that, give them a call over at the poker room at 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park is located in Hallandale Beach at 901 South Federal Highway. Gulfstream Park, welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. Welcome back to the program. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here on Poker Action Line. A couple more interviews still to come uh, in this next segment here. Obviously, uh, uh, the poker world begins to crank it up and move on as far as... uh, uh, events on the big tours, the WPT uh, kicked off their newest season in Oklahoma and Duran, Oklahoma at the Choctaw event. Uh, James Mackey won that last night, uh, 30 years old, uh, picks up the win, defeating uh, South Florida player uh, Ben Zamani, Benjamin Zamani from Boca, and uh, ends up winning the tournament last night. $3,700 buy-in in that one, 1,066 players in Oklahoma. Uh, many of whom found out there's not a lot to do around there in the <laughs> evenings, uh, as I follow on Twitter. Anyway, first place prize was 681000 including a $15,000 entry into the Tournament of Champions, which will be played here at the end of the season. Um, some of the other players that made the final table, Craig Varnell uh, finished third, Bastion Fisher was fourth, Jack Duong was fifth, and Matthew Smith was sixth, Olivia Bousquet seventh. So uh, there's your uh, pretty much your final table. And uh, let's see, Zamani three bet uh, with blinds at 150 and 300k. Uh, Zamani limped in. Mackey raised him to a million. Zamani three bet for uh, 7.4 million dollars, and Mackey called. And Zamani had just had pocket fives. Uh, 
Mackey had pocket eights, Oof. and there was an eight on the flop. Of course, uh, there's always a sweat, right, Joe? Yeah, yeah. You know, you imagine you hit a set, <laughs> and your guy has a lower lower pocket pair than you. So the only way you're sweating is if it came like eight seven six. That's what it came out. There you go. All See? spades, by the way, but there were no. Um, neither were, one of them. Neither had one of them had a spade. Well, in their the hand. eights we know wouldn't have the spade. Right. The five didn't have it. Anyway, uh, that gave him an up and down straight. Jack of spades was on the turn. Which now so gave him additional outs to put tie the pot. A possible a chop, obviously, but there was a third six, or a second six, I should say, uh, came on the river and uh, gave Mackey a full house anyway. So uh, he wins the tournament, and uh, uh, Zamani takes home 412000 Not bad for second. No, not at all. Not anyway, at all. just to let you know... Um, that uh, the WPT uh, schedule continues, and they have a uh, deep stacks WPT deep stacks, which is kind of like their minor league, uh, I guess you might say, at Immokalee down here in South Florida. Uh, we were talking about it before the show, uh, and that will be the second of September through the 11th. The main event starts on the 9th. That will be down here in uh, South Florida. Well, I guess we call that Southwest Florida. <laughs> yes, so we're over near Naples. Uh, but the next major event for the WPT will be in Montreal uh, on August 19th. And then the Legends of Poker out in Los Angeles, August 22nd. And uh, things really get cranked up. And there's a um, Borgata Fall Poker open uh, September 18th. So uh, we'll keep an eye on the WPT, the World Series of Poker, of on the hiatus outside of the circuit. And uh, waiting for uh, November 9 to roll back around. Uh, the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open is not affiliated with the WPT. They are with many events, but not this particular one. But um, certainly will be fun. And uh, the WPT's Matt Savage will be here to help run things uh, with our good friend Tony Burns, who is the tournament director now at Seminole Hard Rock and doing a great job over there. So we'll try to talk to him. Maybe we'll have him on the program while uh, things come up. I think I mentioned last year, the one thing that I didn't really like about the uh, the Big Four was it was very hard to concentrate on the individual games with four tables, uh, four important tables going on at the same time. Last year, Phil Helmuth was kind of walking around telling stories, and it was made it even tougher to figure out what was happening. <laughs> they did stream four tables, but only one had audio. Uh, and the other ones, you just if you were really interested in the players that were there at the final table, you could concentrate on that instead. But uh, the main one was the $5 million guaranteed event. And this year, I guess, I believe it's Jason Somerville and Maria Ho will be there uh, hosting things. So it does draw a lot of big-name players, and it's going to be very exciting. But uh, we'll see if they try to do things a little different this year. Two heck of commentators there. Wasn't Maria Ho the last woman standing this year? uh, No, uh, last year. Uh, This year was uh, Gael Bowman. But Maria Ho went pretty deep, too, wasn't she? Did. She? she did. She did. I think she got into the top 100 she, or something. Nah, or no, about, about 400. 400? 400? Like yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was remembering when she actually had the chip lead, like around day three or four for yeah. a short while. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Anyway, Maria's, I, I think it, I was trying to talk to her out there, and I uh, missed her uh, at the end of one event where she went out a different door, and I, I was going to try to get her for an interview. Uh, she's been very kind to with her time before, and I had talked to her before, but she is now uh, becoming a very important person as far as poker commentary on a lot of things. Uh, she does some stuff with the uh, GPL. Obviously, she has her own team, and then she uh, some of the stuff in Poker Night in America she comment, com- does the commentary on. So she's become very good as uh, far as a person who can really talk about the game and the intricacies of the strategy. Yeah, you know, I'm telling you, you got a great great person there to, to give you that information. Anyway, uh, well, let's uh, turn the clock back a little bit to a conversation I had with Chris Moneymaker. Uh, I guess if you go out to Vegas and looking for someone to interview, uh, it's, it's, he would be on the top of my list, uh, obviously how much he changed poker and, and uh, continues to be a true ambassador of the game. He's working hard with uh, both poker stars and the uh, PPA to uh, try to bring back online poker and uh, made it into day two. And, and as he was headed for the uh, the poker room, obviously everybody's stopping him for selfies and, and uh, autographs and that sort of thing. But he was very kind. And I, I did a quick interview with him, I guess about seven minutes. So uh, he gave me some time and I had a chance to talk to him. Chris Moneymaker, this was at the start of day two. We're moving into day 2C here of the World Series of Poker main event. I ran into Chris Moneymaker. Uh, Chris, can you believe it's been 13 years, first of all? Well, my body says yes. My mind says no. But, uh, 
you know, some days I feel like it's going by so fast. Other days it feels like it's been forever. I got a chance to hear you talk with the uh, panel the other day at the uh, PPA and Poker Stars seminar. You actually stepped out of your day one to go there for an hour or so. Did it set you back at all? No, not really. I mean, I left with 43,000. I came back with 40. Uh, they give you so many chips to play with on day one that, I mean, you know, help, you know, most people don't even register after after dinner, so it didn't really, it didn't affect me one bit. Now, if you were to do that today, that would be a little bit more troublesome. But uh, no, day one, it's fine. What are your expectations coming into the World Series every year? I mean, uh, it's hard to catch your lightning in a bottle for a second time, but uh, you got a good stack going, and uh, you keep giving it a shot. Uh, do you see yourself running date late into day six or seven? I mean, obviously you hope to. I mean, that's why you came here is to, to win the thing. I mean, my, my goal and vision is to win, but, I mean, obviously that's not going to happen. You're going up against 7,000 other people that have the same goal. I just want to make the good, best decisions I can. Hopefully I run good, and if I do both of those things, then I should be all right. Okay. Let me ask you about GPL. Uh, has it been a good experience for you? Are you still looking forward to uh, the remainder of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's been a great experience. You know, we started off really good. We hit a wall, and, uh, you know, it's tough to get everybody on board. It's a new new thing. Hopefully, um, with the new with the playoffs and uh, the finals in the cube, it'll attract more attention. Um, I'm excited about it. I think it's a great project. I think it's what poker needs. Um, unfortunately, there's just not too many people that know about it yet. I mean, a lot of the amateur players, um, a lot of pros know about it, but a lot of the amateurs still are sort of in the dark. I was actually playing a cash game yesterday, and uh, guys were asking me, "So you're playing some league thing?" So yeah, most of the people still don't know about it yet. So we have to raise awareness. Still, I think if we raise awareness, we'll. You know, it'll be a good thing. Did you like the cube? I never played in the cube. Okay. Um, not yet. Not yet. Uh, everybody on my team wants to play. It's like, you know, get up. We we have a we all talk together and we figure out who's going to play what times. And uh, I'm being, you know, I'm the team captain, so um, I, I feel like my responsibility is to let people play that want to play. Um, you know, in my in my view, being the team captain. Um, this league is for people in the top 300 of the GPL. So if they earn their way to get there, I'm going to let them play first. Scott Ball has been wanting to play a ton. He's been doing really well. Um, even though I wanted to play in the cube, I gave up my spot so Scott could play in front of his girlfriend. And uh, everybody else wanted to play. So yeah, it's not a big deal. You know, I, I'm happy for them. You know, it gets them exposure. And, you know, I've had my exposure, which is nice. Um, so I don't really need the exposure um, with the cube. But it's just nice to be part of the league and be able to, you know, be with these guys and share ideas and share thoughts with them and you know be on a team with them you're kind of a humble guy i'm sure the uh the attention has been up for 10 lifespans but uh uh what are your plans as far as uh, online poker i mean you've been supporting it we kind of fell a little short in pennsylvania at least for a delay so that's disappointing but uh it seems to be coming along slowly but surely yeah well, i mean we're used to delays i mean it seems you know every time that you get good news it seems like it's delayed six months to a year that's just sort of i mean i remember when it first happened i honestly so I thought it'd be a week-long thing, and then I quickly realized that we're in for a long fight. Um, I've geared up for that fight. You know, I've got a residence in Canada. I travel to New Jersey and play. Um, as more states open, I'll be traveling to those states to support it and grow, help it grow. I've gone to Washington, uh, work with the PPA. Uh, you know, I'm doing everything I can do um, that's asked of me and that I believe would be beneficial uh, between you know donating to different senators who are supporting the cause, going to their events. Um, just doing what I can do on, for my part to hopefully get poker back for everybody. I mean, because it really is it's just it's a question about rights. It's not really, you know, that you have to have online poker. It's just about, you know, I don't think the government should be able to take away your rights. I mean, you know, I can go to different states, smoke marijuana, carry guns. I mean, I can't, you know, I play the lottery in every freaking state in the, in the U.S., but I can't play online poker. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the fight goes on. Well, I know you got a little bit of time here. You probably got about 30 selfies to take before the play gets started. I'm so. trying to go find a hole and, you know, listen to <laughs> right. my meditation music and, exactly. and chill out. So. Good luck today. Thank you very much. Good talking to you. Chris Moneymaker, uh, obviously uh, the name that uh, resonates with everybody brought a lot of people into this game of poker uh, 13 years ago. Without Isn't that amazing? A, yeah, really, it doesn't seem like it's that long, but like he said, he goes, my mind doesn't feel it, but my body does. <laughs> and you and I can relate to that, Big Dave. Had a very deep run in the Heads Up uh, NBC Heads Up Championship a couple of years ago. Uh, people hadn't seen him for many years, and I think he... We're still playing, but you know you, I, you have that one great experience, and a lot of times you just can't capture it back again. Well, listen, and I'm sure Chris would have been the first one to tell you. You know, he, you said it. He caught lightning in a bottle, just like James Gold did. Big difference is, I think Chris realized, and maybe if not at first, 
that he wasn't quite up on the level of the top pros at that time. But he's worked so hard at his game to to where he has built himself up to where now he has no issues competing with the top pros in cash games and in other tournaments. You know, he, he knows he caught lightning in a bottle when he won that. A lot of coin tosses went his way. And, you know, people kind of criticized his game style after that. Yeah. I remember hearing a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of And you didn't hear about him, and I guess... Whatever games he was playing in, he wasn't doing real well at, at right after he won the main event. Uh, but, you know, give the man a lot of credit. He's yeah. worked very hard to improve his game, become an excellent poker player. And, more and than a true ho- ambassador for the game. Yes, and more than hold his own against these top people. And like you said, I think even more importantly, he is becoming a great ambassador for the game. Look how he mentioned in the interview that he's got a residence in Canada so he can play, but goes to Jersey and will go to other states that eventually approve online uh, poker. Not uh, not bad for an accountant from Ohio that uh, satellited in on a $39 event and uh, turned it into uh, millions. And he hasn't forgotten that. You know, that's uh, he knows that. And it doesn't matter years after Moneymaker is no longer with us, his name will live in, in poker as long as poker is being played. Uh, one of the things uh, that I did out there was uh, went to a little uh, meeting and seminar uh, poker Stars New Jersey, represented by Lee Jones, and uh, the PPA, the Poker Players Alliance, represented by John Pappas. Uh, John said he would come on the show uh, in the near future. But at that time, they were very close to uh, legislation in Pennsylvania that uh, they had hoped would pass. Uh, the next day, we got word that the uh, legislature put it off until the fall, but they did pass uh, an important uh part of the uh, state budget that included money from online poker. So uh, it's kind of in the works. Uh, you know, if they how, don't... How, how, do you, well, how do you earmark money done, that they, you don't know that you don't have before. it regulated there, There's precedent for it. They did it back in 2009 with uh, some other online gaming. But this time, uh, you know, they, it's not like they have to do it. They can uh, come up with money elsewhere, which will be very difficult. So uh, the onus is really on them to follow this thing through and come up with it. But they weren't quite ready to uh, green light it. So uh, I think we're going to wait until uh, late September to find out what's going to happen in Pennsylvania. I'll run down some of the other states and what's happening. But I got a chance at that meeting to talk with some of the uh, poker pros that were there. We heard uh, a couple of weeks ago from Jason Somerville, who was there. And Chris was up on the panel, and then uh, Jen Shahadi and uh, Vanessa Selbst and, and several other players were there as well. And one I got to talk to, the girl that I really, uh, really kind of uh, in, enjoyed uh, watching her the year before in the World Series of Poker. Cute girl plays, uh, played actually on the uh, Dutch national field hockey team, the women's oh. field hockey team. Went to the Olympics several years before, but her name is Fatima Moreira de Mello. And uh, I got a chance to talk to her for a few minutes over there as well. She's working hard to uh, promote online poker and establish her career. Uh, here's what she had to say. Okay, I'm with uh, Fatima Morera de Mello. Wow, yeah. Okay, perfect. pretty good, huh? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, okay, we're talking here at a little uh, meeting with the uh, Poker Players Alliance and Poker Stars New Jersey, talking about the future of online poker. Has it been a big issue for you over the years? Is it something you've followed closely for many years? Yeah, it's been a huge issue uh, over the years. Like, regulation has been something, well, I guess in the States, you guys have been working on it for like a decade. Uh, in Holland, it's been ever since I, like, started, like, playing a bit of poker, I was confronted with it, and uh, we're still working on regulation in Holland. It, that's just one state, you know? Like, it's funny that, like, and in the U.S., you guys, there's so many states. It's such a long process, and because you can't go through the federal way, you have to do it state by state by state. So it'd be great if we could create this domino effect where, you know, you get California, Pennsylvania, and we already, had, already have New Jersey, Jersey, so that, like, the rest will follow. New York, of course. So, uh, yeah, it's good that everyone just keeps working on it, and it's always stuff to keep people motivated after a decade of fighting you're like it's so slow but we're getting there you know new jersey's there and it just has to be the right example like for people to know that people should be able to play online why do people have to get out of their houses and go to a casino if they can just be at home with their kids and they can still cook food for their kids in between they can still like it's it's the modern world we have to develop ourselves and grow and that's where everything's going the internet's ruling our world right now so why are we still 10 steps behind on regulation yeah, absolutely uh, I have to tell you that last year 
I felt like you were kind of like one of the breakout stars of the series because you got some TV time, uh, you know, and not to be patronizing, but your cute personality was able to come out, and I think you made a lot of big fans. Uh, how has that affected you over the last year since people have seen those shows? Well, I recognize like that, like now that I'm back at the World Series, people are like, oh, I saw you last year, and you're at the table with my friend, and you did well, and oh, it was so nice to see you play. So it's cool, and I've been with Focus Search for quite a while now, and I did Shark Age, and whenever I do TV formats, I, you know, I feel like I'm at home because, you know, I'm a TV personality in Holland, and I love poker and sports, poker, TV, and then in the States, for some reason, poker is so big that, yeah, it's like you get more recognition, and I noticed that ESPN was following me on Day 1B now because they're like, okay, that's the story from last year, so we're going to pick up on that again. Uh, I made it through today, too, so let's see what happens this year, but, yeah, it's always great to be back in the States. Did you get off to a good start yesterday? Actually, I was down to 17K in level three because I made this huge bluff and it didn't, didn't work. work. <laughs> but then now I'm back up to 60K, so we start with 50 and I'm, you know, end of the day good. So. Well, good luck this week, but here's the most important question of all. Uh, we're less than a month away from Rio Olympics. Uh, should I go out and put some money on the Dutch uh, field hockey team? Oh, always. The women's? Always. <laughs> Your house? Everything. <laughs> they have a good outlook house, this year? Whatever, yeah. They're doing well. Uh, they just finished second in the Champions Trophy. They lost against Argentina, but they're such a strong team, and they're just wor working their way up into like peak performance. Thanks for your online work uh, in poker in America, and yeah, no uh, good luck this week. Thank you so much. Okay. Fatima Marrera de Mello, and uh, just to let you know, I, I went and looked on Sports Illustrated's uh, Olympic preview, and the uh, women's uh, Dutch field hockey team is picked for the silver medal in the Sports Illustrated. So she wasn't lying yeah, about exactly. making a bet on their on their team, and it was Argentina the number one team. I believe they were. Yes, there you I go. Believe they were. Uh, let's take a break here on the show. We'll finish things up when we come back. A couple other things we'll try to work in, and if we don't get to what I had planned, uh, we'll save it over for next week, as we often do. Uh, but uh, we hope you stick around for the end of the program. Uh, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And uh, as we head to break, let's tell you about Gulfstream Park. Uh, the big racing this weekend, stakes race, the Sire Stakes uh, is on tap, and uh, we're looking forward to some of that. So uh, I'll probably be over there on Saturday checking it out. Uh, located in Hallandale Beach, very easy to get to from my house in Damarack and uh, from Joe's in Kendall, very easy to get to. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's about a 25-minute drive. That's all. Yeah. Well, of course, it's 25 minutes or 30 minutes to go anywhere in South Florida. <laughs> get across town. We're used to that. Uh, but it's located east of I-95 uh, on the corner of Hallandale Beach Boulevard and Federal Highway, 901 South Federal, if you want to put it in your GPS and check it out in Hallandale Beach. And it's located in between 95 and the beaches. Beautiful area, uh, just north of Aventura. You can see all the great uh, condos uh, when you're out watching the racing around the track. And, of course, they have the village of Gulfstream Park, which there's plenty of things to do. Once again, 901 South Federal Highway. It's located in Hallandale Beach. Gulfstream Park. Tell them Big Dave and Joe sent you over. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. 
We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. Final segment of the show, Big Dave and Joe here, Poker Action Line. Uh, Another edition, uh, our thanks to the people that gave us the time when I was out in Vegas uh, for a lot of interviews, and we've been carrying them over the last few shows. Uh, I wanted to get a few more, but one of the great things about being out there is... uh, you know, I talk to a lot of the poker media people that are always great guests and, and know a lot about the game. I'm planning on uh, contacting a few of those to get them on the program. Uh, people like John uh, John Pappas from the PPA is always a great guest. Uh, people like uh, Donnie Peters, who's been on the show. Now, Donnie told me out there that, that he was leaving Poker News. Uh, he had uh, lined up another position in uh uh, with Poker Central, and he's going to concentrate more on his TV stuff. So uh, congratulations to him, and look forward to seeing some of his other work. Uh, I had a chance to play in the media tournament out there, and uh, when I sat down at the table, right next to me on my right was Mo Nuara, oh. who did the article about uh, you know preparation for how to attack the WSOP. Which we mentioned on our show. Yeah, he was on the show as an interviewee, and... Uh, he was sitting right next to me playing poker. Good poker player and uh, much better than me, obviously. <laughs> but uh, had fun in that one out there. So many great things out there. We just got a few minutes left. A couple things I did want to mention. Um, the poker uh, counterfeit chip scandal up at the Borgata came to a close. Uh, How because much time they, did this guy get? Well, he had gotten already gotten five years. It was basically for another case. He was involved in a counterfeiting DVD counterfeiting ring with the Chinese and they found 35,000 DVDs at his house. So uh, This guy's the counterfeit yeah, king, huh? I mean, well, he was, in fact, the Chinese people were the ones who got him the poker chips when he, that he flushed down the toilet and, and got caught at the Borgata. Uh, remember Al Gomez, a good friend, uh, played in that played tournament? In that tournament yes. I don't believe he got any money back, but the final decision uh, that it came out some time ago was that uh, over 2,100 players got their buy-in back, the 560 buy-in, uh, but they didn't give it to everybody because they kind of figured out who played in the same room or the same tables as Christian Lusardi. Yeah, who could have been affected Who by was it. affected directly by that, and they gave those people their buy-ins back. Now, what that did was it took a lot of money out of the prize pool because the players that were left when they stopped the tournament with 27 players would have gotten... Uh, $53,000 each if they had chopped it up equally. Well, they decided to chop it up equally, but they chopped what was left after they paid the other players, and so they all got $19,323, which they felt was about thirty-three grand short. So they filed an appeal and uh, a lawsuit, uh, a counter-lawsuit against uh, the Department of Gaming from New Jersey, and that was... Uh, Back in, the see, the tournament was January 2014. I think this decision was sometime in the summer, late summer, maybe Yeah, I remember it took forever for them to come for... Five or six months or something like that. They made that decision. And now here we are in 2016, and the the legal fallout is finally over. uh, As uh, it went to the appeals court, and the court ruled that the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement fairly paid out players for the problems ensued from the event. Uh, that uh, you know, I don't agree. Yeah, I don't either, and a lot of the players obviously do not either. But that's kind of going to be the final word on it, I think. Yeah, well, once they made that ruling, but I honestly don't agree. I well, think that's that's a terrible ruling because these people were affected by something that they didn't do wrong. They were affected because the Borgata could not detect these chips until a certain time. I mean, to get down to 27, uh, 27 players out of how many was in that in that, uh, in that tournament? Uh, uh, what was it like? A lot. It was like, a like whole lot. Probably, probably 4,000. 4,000 players. That's kind of ridiculous. I mean, at that point, you've got to put some sort well, of the blame on the management. And on top of if I'm going back, remember, we're going back, we reported this deal when it first happened. But there were people that were making, you know, off comments that they didn't think the chips were right. 
prior to when they finally made the decision to stop the tournament with 27 players left. Yeah, and the other thing is, uh, you know, they obviously had a certain amount of chips. Some, someone was a chip leader, someone was uh, short stacked, and they split that all equally, which I can kind of understand because you don't really know how the tournament's going to end. But the people who were leading the tournament and looking uh, for very much for a win were, were penalized severely. Oh, you're not kidding. They were penalized severely for this, for getting a, an even break. And then on top of that, 30 thousand dollars is taken out per person for the 27 people because of the refunds. Yeah. Listen, that's to well, become a point where the casino has to kind of step up and say, hey, listen. Yeah. You know, we're going to give you sixteen, seventeen thousand of that money, and and just swallow it. So I, basically, uh, the people who had already cashed got to keep their money. Yeah. So the only ones that got penalized were the players who went the farthest in the tournament. Yeah. When it should have been the casino and with their lax security and and not having the proper controls in place to prevent something like this from happening. Instead of them coming up with that extra money, it all came out of the pockets now, of the guys who were winning. What the I don't understand, I don't remember when they bagged chips, but when they started bagging chips, okay, we just had something like this here a year ago down here with Hialeah, with the chip count not totaling up to the numbers that were, you know, that were being uh, put up on the board as to how many entries were in there and and rebuys and everything else. The chip count did not add up to to the people in the tournament. Something like that should have popped up here when they were bagging chips. Well, in the, in the article that Chad Holloway wrote, he uh, couldn't get a comment from the attorney for uh, the plaintiffs. Uh, but he did get some quotes from uh, Mac Verstandig, who uh, uh, specializes in uh, legal matters re- regarding t- poker. And his comment was... Uh, he said, I respect the court's ruling, of course, but it does nothing to undermine the glaring reality that the Borgata allowed poker players to be scammed through a lax security protocol and then decided it should be the poker players themselves who pay the price for that scamming. It's a sad end to a sad case. The Borgata failed to implement procedures sufficient to prevent a form of counterfeiting as old as gambling itself, but believes it should be poker players, not the casino, who makes millions to pay the price for that failure. And he says, uh, it's unfortunate that Atlantic City and its failing casino economy continue to hide behind a self-serving regulatory framework that denies too many bettors their right to a day in court before a jury of their peers. I don't think I could have said it any better, that's for sure. And uh, he says, uh, you know, these regulators here came to the aid of the town's last great casino and a belated confirmation of legal propriety does nothing to wash away the appearance of impropriety that necessarily follows such a regulatory scheme. And let me tell you what surprised me since then, Dave, is I don't think they've had a, again, I haven't researched the numbers, but I don't recall their, 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 or God opens being down yeah. that significant. No, no, they've, they've completely, this, survived, this, it. So. completely survived it. Uh, if people are wondering whatever happened to Lasardi, he's 44 years old from Fayetteville, North Carolina. He got five years in prison uh, when he pleaded guilty to the trademark counterfeiting. He was also offered, uh, or ordered, I should say, to pay 463000 to the Borgata and $9,455 to Harrah's. Uh, basically, uh, was nine grand for the uh, plumbing that he screwed up and uh, caused leaks in the hotel when he tried to flush the chips, and uh, he paid almost a half a million dollars. Well, I don't know if he ever paid it; probably never will. But uh, he, he, it says that uh, basically he was going to jail for the time uh, involved in a international DVD bootlegging operation. So he had amassed over 1.3 million dollars into his PayPal account from the DVDs. And in that case, he was ordered to pay back uh, $1.137 million in restitution. So he's serving both those sentences concurrently, and uh, in five years he'll be out probably trying to do it again. Yep, absolutely. So that was that case uh, pretty much ended on such a sad note. Certainly we'll keep an eye on uh, the other things. The other court case I wanted to mention was uh, uh, the local South Florida is some of the Poker rooms have thrived on this three-card poker game. We've seen it here in South Florida. It hasn't been as successful down here, but they do have it at Magic City, and it's been pretty good. And uh, Palm Beach Kennel Club has done very well with it. Basically, it's a game they came up with to having a uh, some sort of uh, bank uh, banker. Uh, 
play against Calif- the players. California does this uh, out there with uh, their style of uh, blackjack, their style of uh, baccarat, right. where the players actually act as the bank since there's the, the, these casinos out there can't have bank games. Anyway, uh, an attorney, or not an attorney, a judge, an administrative law judge, uh, this past Monday in Jacksonville said that uh, the paramutuals were breaking the state's ban on these type of card games and that uh, they recommended a $4,500 fine for Best Bet Jacksonville. Of course, many of the other places have either dropped it or not been successful with it, Uh, but I know that Palm Beach uh, has been very successful, so I'm sure they're upset about uh, the ruling. Uh, Supposedly these games bring in over a million dollars a year to the paramutuals where they have uh, a banker, whether it's a employee or a poker dealer that's off duty that, that takes this position but the, supposedly this person has to bring in a minimum of thirty thousand dollars to the table they're taking no active role in the game they're just serving as a bank against the players there and uh, supposedly the uh, casinos have done very well anyway basically where that stands now is that uh, since it's claimed to be illegal casino gaming uh, by the judge, the division has to go back and look into it and come up with a decision. And the parties have 15 days now to file written exemptions to her findings, and uh, we'll wait and see what's going to happen. But that would be a severe. It's not really poker, uh, you know. It's not doesn't fall under the games that we identify and play ourselves. But uh, it will have an effect on poker rooms, uh, you know, by extension. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I'm sure the people who brought this up a whole lot were the Seminole Hard Rock. They uh, did. They were fighting yeah, very hard. Of course hard they are. That's for sure. Of course they Because are. they're able to play those games legally. Yeah, of course they, they are. They have the approval for that. So, so we'll see what happens on some of that stuff. Uh, a lot of other stories are brought in. We'll talk about uh, a very interesting prop bet made by uh, Lance Bradley. Uh, who wrote a great story uh, about uh, a fellow that played in the World Series of Poker this year, uh, Bob Brundage, and the fact that uh, he cashed was really a great story. So check that out on Poker Fives. But he made a bet with uh, Antonio Esfandiari and Jason Mercier, and uh, we'll talk about that next week. And uh, also the possibility of Rounders 2 being in discussions now. Anyway, all that stuff we'll get to next week. We'll update the GPL and talk about what happened out there this summer. And we'll have fun uh, with another program next week. Gio, thanks for everything. Joe, uh, again as well. And thank you for listening. We hope you're back next week for another edition of the show. It's Poker Action Line. Pick it up on iTunes or on PokerActionLine.com, Stitcher Radio, uh, Poker Fuse podcast page, or on HoldemRadio.com. We'll see you next week with another edition of the program. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 